This is Noche Galactica. I'm Poeta Galactico, and we are back. This is episode 46, and you already know we've been doing this since 2018. It's 2021. We are in the building in front of the lake. It's a Sunday, and we have a special guest in the building. We got Poeta Sam in the building, who's going to be dropping some tokens of power. Go ahead and let her introduce herself. How you doing today, Sam? Hey, what's up, y'all? Um, first of all, thank you for having me with you. Um, I'm really feeling the energy, so I'm really excited to get this started. Um, a little bit about myself. I'm Sam. I also go by Ate Sam, uh, what the kids fondly know me as for my after-school program that I work for, uh, Longfellow Elementary School in San Francisco. Shout out. Yep, shout out Longfellow. Um... A little bit about myself, I grew up in Union City, so just about 30 minutes south of where I'm working at right now in Oakland. Um, born and raised there, went to Logan High School, lived in Long Beach for a little bit for college, um, moved out to Oakland, and I've been moving around from the Fruitvale, um, right now situated in downtown. That's what's up, that's what's up. Um, and, you know, it's been a journey. I feel like we met uh, a long time ago. We worked for the same organization at one point, and we was always in the orbit and kind of saying hello, we are common friends, but I feel like, you know, we've been seeing each other more and more, I wouldn't say within the last three years or so. Mm-hmm. And I feel like your energy vibes, you all about community, and that's what we do here in Noche Galactica, Elevate and Community. And today, we're gonna talk about just trusting the process, right? Trusting the process when you come from a from a different environment and you're trying to find them yourself in life, you know? Um, sounds like you were in Union City, you've been in the Bay most of your life. Yeah. Um, you went to Long Beach and then you came back. You mm-hmm. came back to the Bay. Um, tell us a little bit about like that navigation of being in the Bay, going down to Long Beach and then coming back. What makes you come back? Is it is it community driven? What is at the core of that? Yeah, um, you know, I think my, my heart was just always here. Mm. Like I loved what I went through in Long Beach. Like I have a lot of family over there too. So it's not like I ever felt uncomfortable there. I ever felt out of place I think you know it was really just the whole vibe of the Bay Area that drove me back here Um, a lot of my friends did end up staying back here too Um, so I guess a part of it like you know as a 21 year old was like fear of missing out like I was really attached to my core group of friends like the friends that I grew up with the ones that I've known since I was in like elementary school middle school high school Um, so I still felt that attachment to them even being back down there um, so it feels really great to be back here and just like, you know, continuing to be with the community, growing with them um, as an educator now, too. So it's it's been really interesting to see like the changes that have been happening um, and also being able to be a part of the process of like, you know, helping the youth in our community grow um, and just trying to understand like what that looks like. So, Inspired. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Um, and now we're going to transition to this, you know, framing question of this podcast around understanding the process. In the quest of understanding life, we encounter ourselves with learning new things about our core selves and then learning a lot of things society puts on us. Um, how do you feel your ed- uh, U.S. education journey, culture assimilation, and constraints of capitalism intercepted with the journey of trying to achieve your best self that's a big ass question (laughs) but but yeah i guess let's start with your journey in the u.s um education system like yeah what was that like for you yeah oh man like as soon as you bring up that question like my mind goes towards so many different places but i'm gonna try to keep it along the same vein of like you know what the question's asking so 
Um, I have mixed feelings about the education system. Like, I feel like I grew up really privileged to be in a district where ethnic studies was like a sole part of what made that district. Like, Logan had like Asian American studies classes, they had like African American studies classes. So, because I was so surrounded by that, I just thought that's what it looked like all over the Bay Area. And, you know, I come to find out. Um, some places are trying to push for ethnic studies. Some places are trying to push for like kids to learn about their culture. And like, there's a lot more pushback than there is push. And that's why we don't really see ethnic studies in all of the districts. And so, um, when I came to Oakland as my first year being a teacher in the classroom, I I felt that. And uh, like when I think of the word assimilation, like I have like these vivid memories of. Like my first year teaching, and I had like a really idealistic sense of like, oh, we're going to like talk about our history, we're going to talk about our culture, we're going to get our families involved,、um, and also we're going to you know incorporate academics into it.、Mm-hmm. But like I would have this rubric that I had to follow every week of like, oh, we're the district, we're actually going to tell you what an exceptional teacher looks like,、mm-hmm. and we're going to try to fill in these check boxes for you, and like there's going to be. Like 36 check boxes, and in order to be like an exceptional teacher, you need like 32 out of the 36, or something like that. So, I would constantly just be looking at the sheet of paper on this clipboard, like telling me, "Oh, I'm doing a good job," or "Oh, I'm not doing a good job." And I had like all these like creative ideas that I wanted to incorporate into the classroom, like how like some questions that I would ask myself are like, "How do we incorporate culture on a daily basis? How do we like set rituals with each other? Like, am I allowed to have an altar in my classroom? Am I allowed to,、um, you know, decorate with like posters from, you know, like my own culture? Like, am I allowed to have kids bring posters from their own culture?" Um, so all of these questions and all of these things that I wanted to see in my class kind of got put to a halt when,、um, you know, I found out that the big push in schools was, oh, you know, what your first graders they need to be proficient in the English language by the end of this year, and if they're not, we're going to pull them out of their art classes, we're going to pull them out of their PE classes,、um, we're going to ask their families if they could stay for 20 minutes so we could like go over these sight words and like all these phonics skills with them. So what? I felt like I was being—I、um, don't want to say graded, but like they made me feel that an exceptional teacher is the one who could have their kids learn English the fastest.、Mm. And so, like my whole first year teaching, like centered around this rubric that they gave me. And then I felt like, you know, when I was in student teaching, it was like a whole different vibe. Like I feel like all of my ideas were validated. I felt like it was a safe space to, you know, propose certain ideas, and I just kind of like ran based on the curriculum script,、mm. and like I knew that that wasn't me. It just felt really wrong,、um, but that's kind of how I functioned for a whole year, and like I, you know, like I, I don't even really no, know how to explain、good. it. Like, you know, like it was a really emotional time where. I just felt like I should just toss out all the ideas I have as an educator、um, because I wanted to keep my job. I'm like, I need the salary, I need to pay rent, I need to pay the、capitalism. bills. Capitalism. <laughs> yeah. So exactly like what you know, tying back to capitalism, I'm like, how do I not lose myself, but also how do I make the funds to you know do what I need to do? 
That's deep. Like, <laughs> like I'm speechless because everything that you're saying, I, you know, working in education, you are able to see that. You see how, um, you know, new educators come into the building, super hyped, super en energized to create change in the communities they work in. But then you get slapped with this like to-do list, mm -hmm. you know, and that to-do list is basically what you need to follow in order to like for the students to achieve greatness from their lens, right? But as a as a teacher, I can see that being like, no, this is not who I am. Don't put me in this box. So the struggle is super real. Do you feel that that happened when you were in school though? Like the teachers were following the script. Um, you know, I really don't remember too much. Um, in regards to like culture and community in my elementary school education, I think once I got to middle school, that's when I started having a lot more teachers of color. And, you know, back as a preteen, as a teenager, in my mind, I don't have like a checklist of how many teachers of color, yeah. like as opposed to like non-teachers of color do I have. Like same thing with high school, that wasn't really like my priority to like analyze those types of parts of the system. It wasn't until afterward um, you know, after, not even when I was in college, like post-college, yeah. where I started, like, really understanding, like, the impact of having teachers of color has on a student of color, and, like, um, not even just color versus not color, but, like, what kind of traditions do they have in their classroom? What kind of space are they creating for their students? Like, all of those things I started to understand a little bit better as I got older, and all of those things were the things that I really wanted to focus on um, now that I also am an educator. Like really just trying to think, like do my kids feel loved in this space? Like do they feel like they're validated? Do their families feel like they're validated? Um, you know, I never want the families to come in and be like, oh, this is a place where I just drop off my kid, I pick them up and we don't talk about school. Mm -hmm. That's kind of like what I went through as a child. Um, and especially because it was my grandparents mostly that raised me. Both of my parents worked night shift when I was younger. Um, so my grandparents, because they grew up in the Philippines, and my parents also grew up in the mm -hmm. Philippines too. They came here, my mom in 91 and my dad in 93. Um, but my grandparents didn't really have an idea of what the education system looked like. They did put a lot of trust in it though. Um, so because they put a lot of trust in it, they didn't really question it or try to get to know it better. They just said, oh, um, this is supposed to be like the top-notch education, mm. so I'm going to send my granddaughter there. I'm going to pick her up from school, and like she'll just have that knowledge in her head. She <laughs> Yeah, so it's like we don't need to ask no questions. Um, so because my family wasn't really involved in understanding what the U.S. education system looks like, um, I didn't really involve myself either. I was kind of like, oh yeah, I'll just go to school and then go back home and then watch my favorite TV show, and that's that. Um, and that really question it, just kind of go with the flow of things. Yeah, so it wasn't really until I became an educator where I'm like, wow, like, I, I kind of just lived through that and, like, should have been questioning it. should have been trying to, like, push back against what the norm is. Um, and so when I started working for Pinoy Panay Educational Partnerships as an after-school um, Philippinex history teacher like that's that like really changed my life like I can't even like describe in words right now like what an impact that had on me um, I remember our first um, what was it called it was our retreat so at our retreat the first thing that we did was we did like a land and ancestor acknowledgement um, and I know like land acknowledgements are be becoming a lot more normalized um, 
I hadn't encountered that prior to you know this past 2020 school year. I was like, land acknowledgement. What is that? Ancestor <laughs> acknowledgement. Like, what do I do with this? Who am I supposed to acknowledge? What am I supposed to acknowledge? So, like, but for the folks that I had worked with, like, who are even younger than me, like, a lot of the folks I work with are, you know, the ages range from, like, 19 all the way up till my age, like, 28. Um, this was such a normal thing for them. And I remember bringing up um, my grandma and my grandpa who had passed. They're now... Um, you know, my ancestors, and I started thinking about them all of a sudden. And like, because it's such a normalized thing, like now, um, I feel like they're still with me now. Like, and after they had like, rec after they had just passed, um, I felt like they were so separated from me. And so I think, you know, it's Pinoy Panay Educational Partnerships. We, we also call it PEP, um, that brought my ancestors back. And not even just my familiar familial ancestors, um, but our cultural ancestors as well, too, because we teach about our cultural ancestors to the students. Um, so this year has been a lot of relearning for me, a lot of reading books, looking at uh, pre-colonial Filipino artwork, um, practicing um, the script prior to colonization. It's called Bye Bye In. Um, so I really was able to take some time to myself and learn this history that I didn't get to learn about. Um, and it helped me reconnect with my parents too because I would start asking them stories and they started feeling a sense of pride like oh my daughter wants to hear about our family that's something that she never wanted to learn about um, I would go through all these old albums where it's like the black and white pictures or like the sepia filtered kind of pictures um, and so it was an, a really emotional time for me I'm um, just making that like reconnection with something that I hadn't even bothered with for most of my childhood. I think it's so real. Assimilation is so real. Um, for me, when I came to the U.S., similar to you, like, my parents put me in school, you know, coming from from Michoacan, Mexico, running away from the narco land. People just, you know, you in the U.S., you're going to get the best education ever, and you're going to really question it. Mm -hmm. But as an adult, and you start growing up, you start seeing all these gaps, right? And with all the gaps, there's a lot of overthinking because as a, as a child who's, like, woke, you know, you start seeing what, who do I go to to help me navigate this scenario, this, this life. Um, and I guess the next question I have for you is like, as an educator now, like what grants you when you feel lost, when you feel like, am I the only one thinking this way when it comes to all these inequities, all these pieces and gaps that I see as an educator and as a human being, what grounds you? Mm -hmm. um, there's a whole lot of things, but I think... I really try to think about my wellness um, and in defining wellness and what it is, I think about um, three parts of wellness. So like first my inner self, um, like am I like constantly learning about myself or have I stopped? Like those are the questions I ask myself. Um, like how am I developing my identity? Um, like what makes me feel good? Like what makes me feel loved? Like all of those kinds of things. Um, kind of relate to my inner self. I also think about my interpersonal relationships. Um, like, am I surrounding by myself with people who really care about me? Like, am I um, constantly developing a healthy relationship, a healthy reciprocal relationship with the folks that I'm with? Um, and then I also think about interconnectedness. Um, in Philippine culture, we have this idea of kapwa, which is very similar to the idea of like in la catch, like I am you and you are me. Um, 
So it's the idea of kapwa where I see other people as my mirror and we also realize we have this responsibility to take care of each other. And that's really where community um, comes into play. And, you know, like growing up, like I was always the shyest kid. I was like, you know what? I'm good on my own. Yeah. I don't need people. I only need maybe like three friends or so. Yeah. Um, and now that I've gotten older, I think it's been a journey for me to kind of like let go of that prior image of myself and really ground myself in like what is Kapwa, um, how do we develop relationships with our community and also why is it important? Um, maybe like me being cut off from other people for a lot of my childhood is what caused me to like not really do the work in like learning about my history and culture. like. Um, I was also I was always just like a, Okay I'm gonna get this job I'm gonna go I'm gonna yeah. make my money And I'm just gonna live my life Like right. that And so um, yes. The work is in a lot of um, You know Looking toward My family's history And also just my culture's history And I think that grounds me um, In just getting to know myself better And knowing my community better Facts mm-hmm. Facts I wanna touch on what you said right Chasing this money that was big for me too. Like, you know, I'm gonna get a job, I'm gonna make bank, and then just forget about everything else. But yep. that's capitalism, you know, that that's the that's the cycle. Like capitalism wants you to do that and think that way and forget about everything, like community, love, pieces about yourself. They just want you, they just wanna work you. You know, so I appreciate you bringing that topic about capitalism. And on that same lane, working in schools, working in nonprofits, working on as an as an artist, as an independent artist, a lot of times you get put on, on this scenario of I gotta make money, but I also gotta help my community. I gotta stand for my people, yep, but yep. I also gotta eat. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like that's that's a struggle that, that I fight on a daily basis, right? Making decisions on a daily basis, and I'm sure you do too as an educator. But for young adults who are listening to this, what what knowledge would you let them know about you know being true to yourself, but also working capitalism to your advantage? Yeah. <laughs> Hey, this country really has us doing the most <laughs> in all the ways. Um, when I when I think about our young folks, and you know, I work mostly with elementary school age people. Like, I think right now, what I'm focusing on in my classroom is our shared sense of community. Um, so, like, really, how do we take care of each other? How do we listen to each other um, and make us feel safe? in a space like how are we physically safe and how are we emotionally safe um and i think something that i try to bring up to them is we can't just depend on ourselves Mm. like i feel like the society makes us hyper competitive with each other where it's like i'm gonna get into this college and you're probably not gonna get into this college um like oh let's compare salaries with each other like let's compare benefits packages with each other um and it's always like a question of who's gonna one up who, mm-hmm. um, and I don't want my kids to feel that way because that's what's going to burn them out yeah. eventually. Um, I remember, you know, I got caught cheating on a multiplication test in third grade because I wanted to compete against my best friend. Like, and I feel like that sense of competition, like for some people, it drives them to yeah. be their best self, and like I think it's really if you're competing against yourself too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't grow up that way. I was constantly like, I 
I need to be better than the next person and it's gonna drive me to do some shady stuff and I'm like that's not me like I don't want to do any shady stuff like I don't want to you know cheat on my multiplication test and I don't want to steal the person next to me's homework just so I could get credit knowing that they won't get credit Um, so letting the kids know I think just we don't need to compete against each other like you just really need to do the best work you can um and it's like also developing that sense of trust yeah. with our youth um and letting them know like we're whatever the best work you can you could define it um on your own even though like the systems that we're in want to define it for, for you. you all the time yeah well, well, thank you for sharing that one of the things that i, I always name with like colleagues or friends and, and just young adults is that you got to find your peace of mind Mm-hmm. Because when you find your peace of mind, you are able to make decisions from a place of love, caring, and at the core who you really are in humanity, right? And a lot of times, like, I asked that this question to myself. I was like, when did I find peace of mind? It wasn't until I was, like, financially somewhat stable. Mm-hmm. When I had a, a roof that over my head that was, like, stable. And then I was able to find this, like, this peace of mind. But I feel like a lot of times, you know, if you're a young adult... If you're a, a parent out there, if you're a family member who are just surviving, it's hard to get there, right? Mm-hmm. So you consistently ask the person in, in their community needs to keep naming those things. Like you said, love, we are here. Not, we need people. We need each other. So this sense of competition can stop and you can really operate from a sense of love. So mm-hmm. that's the way I, I kind of describe it. But that was great. Thank you Thank for you. that. Um, and then the last question is like, what are some like rituals that you do as a, as a human, as an educator, just to like... Again, center yourself um, around love, around community. What are things that you do outside being a teacher that brings you love and, and creativity juices? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Such big questions over you here. Know, um, this is Galactica. <laughs> <laughs> right, this is what I should have expected, yeah. you know? Um, what brings me love? I would say... I, I enjoy writing. Mm. Um, I really do not share my yeah, writing yeah. with anybody, but it is something that I take time to do at the end of each day, um, whether it's through poetry, whether it's through journaling. Um, so it's crazy because, like, here I am talking about community and all that, but I'm like, no, I'm firm on, yeah. like, this is just for me. Bantry, and yeah. yeah, and it's okay to have, you know, that type of activity that's just for you. Um, and, you know, like, other than the typical, like, kicking it with the homies, um type stuff like i love creating art um i was mentioning earlier i i center my art around baybayin which is the pre-colonial script of the philippines um so it was lost in colonization when they brought over um the typical english alphabet that we use so i've been trying to um incorporate that into my illustrations um so that's also something that you know like i I try to do as a ritual like if I notice that I'm like my creative self is not quite there um, I usually also try to read um, anything about like Filipino history and then that'll usually kind of um, spark my creativity again no, that, I, I think that is so key like that's golden right there that's exactly what I do like whenever I feel like low energy I go back and learn something new from my culture Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, oh, that's dope. Let me come back and try to create something with that. And it just re-energized me in a way that I can't, to this point, like, I don't understand how it happens. It just happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, like, to- totally agree with that. And also, you know, like, connecting with family, too. Like, I 
I felt like kind of guilty at first because I'm like, why did it take me so long to reconnect with my family? Um, because that's also like a type of knowledge, like the the stories, and like I think that's why I'm so, um, you know, grateful for this podcast too. Just like the power of storytelling, because you know sometimes our parents, our grandparents, aunties and uncles, they have so much knowledge that they just keep inside of them. Because as a generation of you know, 20-something-year-olds, 30-something-year-olds, even, like, our younger generation, we don't bother to ask. Um, and so that's also, like, a type of history. That's a type of knowledge that I hold very dear um, because I didn't seek it out yeah. <laughs> for the longest time. Appreciate your story. And just to wrap it up, Understanding the Process episode with Poeta Sam in the building. Three high-level things that you feel like people should take away all the time when it comes to, like, just being in this process of life right because life is a process you're in it um not to win it you are in it to be loved and what are some things that you will share with people to be like make sure you do this as an individual from my perspective to continue to to fight you know and be in it mm -hmm. Ooh. um i think the first one i would say listen to people's stories um i think that's a big thing that came up during this podcast um The youth stories, your family stories, your own story too. I think sometimes we don't even think about ourselves and like what we've gone through. We kind of just push it back or we just keep going forward. But um, realizing also that our own life is a story and a process. Um, another thing too, I think defining wellness for yourself. Like I know I divided mine into three different categories, but like really making a list Um, whether it's like a written list or a mental checklist of like what makes you feel good mm -hmm. like who are people you could turn to that make you feel loved what are places you could go to that make you feel good um, so just keeping those in mind so if you're ever encountering those challenging days which we all encounter yep. um, you kind of know how to reground yourself and you kind of know how to like um, put yourself back out there and let's see here <laughs> the last thing <laughs> Um, Coming in with, with, with so much power, you know, the mic <laughs> is on fire right now. Um, so I think the last thing is, you know, constantly working toward what you're called to. Mm. Um, and I think I say what you're called to because people are called to different things. Um, maybe they're called to art. Maybe they're called to verbal storytelling. Yep. Um So, like, really engaging with yourself in that process and also, like, developing community um, that also, like, finds the same calling yeah. as you. Um, so, just surrounding yourself with that kind of similar energy. And I would say those are, hey, yeah, those are my three things three, right there. <laughs> three keys of knowledge from Puerta Sam right here. We're going to wrap it up. Any thoughts or shout outs you want to give to people? This is the moment. Noche Galactica. The mic is yours for that. Ah, uh, yes. Um... I'd love to give a shout out to some folks at Ascend. Hey. Um, you know, I was going through some tough times <laughs> and a lot of the teachers, the educators there, especially Miss Anna, who was my co-teacher, um, they really grounded me. Like I was crying my mm. eyes out for who knows how long straight. And like, I really appreciate their phone calls, their constant checking in, even to this day, even though, you know, I have like another year under my belt at a different school. Yeah. Like I, I still am very grateful for the... The connections that I've maintained from there. Um, 
Just a big shout out to all my students too from throughout the years, like all the way starting back from when I did my little summer day camps all the way up until now. Um, I still talk about a lot of them up to this day. And, you know, I try my best to remember all their names too and like try to remember them and like a uh, fond memory that I have with each of them. Um, yeah, so no, that's those great. are my that's shout outs. <laughs> no, thank you, thank you, Poeta Sam, for being in uh, Noche Galactica. Mm -hmm. This is episode 46, Trusting the Process. This was a great episode. Thank you again. All right, thank you. All right, have a good one.